Scott McLaughlin, you are sleeping easy tonight, my man, because the thing that everyone predicted since you were a wee lad, since you got into the supercar series, focused all your energies on road courses, championships, conquering the mountain naturally. Everyone said that guy's going to be the fastest team Penske driver in the first day of qualifying at the Indy 500. <laughs> what? Me? Yeah. Holy crap. Tell me about this. Yeah. Thanks, Marshall. It was awesome. It's, um, you know, it's a proud moment for me and my family just to, you know, be in the race. Um, obviously, it was a difficult day for us at Team Penske, but um, I guess in in some ways, for me personally, it's an achievement to be in front of my you know, teammates. But at the same time, um, there's a slight disappointment for all of us that you know we just went a little bit further up and a little bit more competitive. But you know we feel strong with our race cars and and see what we got in the race in a week's time. But to you know, absolutely to know that I've locked myself in the in the show and be able to sleep well tonight and especially all next week until probably a few days before the race. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a big thing. So we're talking qualifying, right? I'm mean, again, we're not trying to go too crazy here, but this is a big deal. And looking at where you qualified in that glorious yellow submarine, the number three Pennzoil Chevy team Penske entry 17th on the grid guy in front of you, former pole sitter and James Hinchcliffe, the guy two spots ahead of you in 15th, I don't know if you've heard of him, Takuma Sato. He's done okay at the place. Wears two big, <laughs> fat winner's rings, right? Just saying the company you're in, I'm guessing you have to appreciate the fact behind you is Graham Ray Hall and so on. You're in, in and among some serious operators, mate. So I'm guessing that, too, is registered with you that, yeah, of course, you wanted to be on pole. Of course, Penske wanted to have one, two, three, four with Simone De Silvestro in there as well, part of the family, but... Uh, you put in the put in the work today, my friend. Yeah, and and look, I was really really happy because we you know we we made our car better, and and one thing for me is that we're making our car better, but at the same time, you know, that means my my feedback and what I want from the car is 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 right, you know, and and it's hard to sometimes you know think about that when the speeds are so fast, when you're doing sort of two forty or you know around there, you know, it's 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 hard to you know know exactly what you want or at least trust your feeling, especially when you're so new to it. Um, and, and to to the, make the gains on car three like we did overnight because we certainly weren't you know seventeenth or in the top fifteen yesterday afternoon. Um, you know was a was a big thing. So I'm I'm really proud of that. Um, but yeah, look to be out there with a lot of people like you said, Takuma and Graham and 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 Hinchcliffe and you know, guys that I've watched for a long time in IndyCar is very cool and. And uh, excited to sort of just yeah head down three by three into turn one, not really knowing what to expect. I'm in the middle of a three of my row, so I'm going to be three wide from the start, middle of a three wide pack. I don't know if I'm keen on that, but we'll see how it all shakes up down into turn one. The grass, just use the grass, mate. You can pass there. <laughs> don't listen to what Rick Mears says. The grass is your friend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before, all the cush. Yeah, there we go. Before we get into uh, some of the cool questions that folks sent in, let's just visit a minute made on emotions. I'm sitting thousands of miles away in California covering this event, and there's a couple times today 
probably because I'm an idiot or a soft or whatever, but I'm tearing up a little bit or feeling that well of emotion when some, you know, someone's qualifying and like, Oh, and I'm not anywhere close to the place. I'd love to know Scott, what your first qualifying day, knowing that there were real things at stake to try and make it into that guaranteed top 30. Tell me about the emotions doing the job behind the wheel, getting out and sitting for most of the day and watching, seeing some things not going as, as desired for your teammates. Uh, I'm guessing you weren't just a blank slate. Yeah, not at all. Um, you know, I, you know, the first time Carly, my wife has watched me go into turn one this week has been today (laughs) and it wasn't the best, the best day to do that. It, uh, she couldn't believe how fast it was. That was another thing trying to calm her down and, and tell her that, Hey, this is what I want to do for like the, the foreseeable future. So just get used to it was, it was, it was the first step. Um, but the, the, the bit after that, I guess, you know, I was just really proud to, you know, we hadn't run in the two thirties all yesterday, all the day before, you know, we really struggled in terms of just getting the car to, to release and get better off the corners and, and get the run down the straight. Um, so to, to then run a, a lap time, the fastest we have, you know, throughout all of fast Friday, um, was was awesome and i was pumped about it and just knowing that i knew straight away that we were basically locked in like that was a good enough time for the for the show so regardless of the outcome i knew it was like decent and i was going to be racing the indy 500 so that was definitely a thing that um i was excited about but i also you know i yelled on the radio to basically tell my mum and dad who i can't really come to the race because of covid and stuff but they listened to the indy car out with my radio just to they know that I'm happy with it, and I don't have to really call them straight away when I get off the, when I get out of the car. I go, wow. Check them with them later. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, let's get to some questions, mate, then we're going to let you get back to your evening. Should we tell folks we already recorded this once and my stupid little laptop failed and you're kind you enough to do it again? And you should tell them how good a bloke I am. Oh, my. But yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> my. I owe you so much. I don't even want to know. Well, once you get the keys back for your dang truck, I think I'm going to be into like a year of washing it for you in detail. I owe you so It sounds good. No, much. Jack, it's too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where should we go? Bill Gray. I know that a lot of your fans uh, down under are certainly, well, please at uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Scott Dixon guy. He apparently did okay today, but oh, I don't um, know who it is. Don't know who it is. Some, yeah, no, that's right. some ginger. Uh-huh. We, we don't yeah. pay attention to them. <laughs> uh, Bill Gray says, great job today, Scott. How did those 10 miles in qualifying compare to qualifying on the mountain at Bathurst? Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's the same time I'm in the car from pit lane to pit exit. You know, Bathurst is Bathurst, but Four laps at Indy is very unique and, and something that I've never, never obviously done before. So the thrill of that and going that speed was just amazing, amazing. Um, I'm not going to rank in order what I like better because it's it's too hard to, to pick. But they're both very different in their own right. Um, they both d- demand respect and they bite hard, both of them. Um, but, you know, the relief and, and the feeling you have once you've finished qualifying at both places is very similar. So um, you're sort of just grateful that you come out one piece and you can have a go at, the, you know, one of the biggest races of your life, you know, and, and that's such a, that's a very cool thing. couple observations from watching uh, Bathurst 1000 for many years, but also being fortunate to get there to uh, see it take place in 2011. 
Um, I didn't poop my pants with anybody. Let's see. Uh, the cutting chase. There were no, no kangaroos today. You had to dodge. So there are a couple no. things, but it's kind of <laughs> all the chase though. Right. Not, I mean, without the elevation change, it's kind of lap after lap of, Oh, I hope this ends well. Cause if it doesn't, I'm going to be on top of the hotel. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, it's either, yeah, the chase because of the speed or it's the thrill of going, making sure that you're hitting, you know, your apex points across the top of the mountain, you know, and, and, and knowing that really where you set the car on entry to the corner is where you end, you know, and if you turn in any later or you turn in early, you know, you're in big trouble on the other end with a concrete block on the other side. So <sighs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a mixture of both. <laughs> You know, why don't we stay here for just a second, Scott, and just talk about the the evolution of you as a driver. Uh, mutual friend, Richard Crail, Crailsy, amazing guy, was on his uh, his podcast a couple of days ago talking about you, and he was asking about, you know, a variety of things. Uh, and we weren't when we weren't completely taking the piss out of you, one of the things that I mentioned <laughs> was Scott's intelligence, but the rate at which he learns is phenomenal. And one of the big evidences of this, and I'm not trying to blow smoke, I'm just saying what I see, is you <laughs> yeah. going from very fast uh, supercars to road and street courses in an Indy car. That's a big jump in speed. Things are coming at you way faster. But getting to go 230, 240 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the rate of speed, the warp speed that is happening, going from years of V8s to this, that's something I don't think the average person would readily adapt to the speed, the information that you're having to digest, the, the rate at which you are making decisions on what you're doing behind the wheel. Can you share with folks what that is like having to like rev your brain up to 20,000 RPMs to process <laughs> the speedway. Cause I don't think most of us could do that. Yeah. No, but you know what? Off the track, I'm not the smartest bloke you've ever met, so I'm not going to blow smoke <laughs> up my ass too much. But I, I, I'm not. But at the end of the day, you know, it's you know, for me, 180 mile an hour, 300k was the fastest I've ever gone on a supercar, and then you know, I've jumped out in, in, in an Indy car the first time, done my RIP here at, at the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Motor Speedway in, in fall, and in the fall, and um, you know, I, I did 180 mile an hour on my outlap, <laughs> so. It was one of those things where it's just it takes a little bit to get used to the speed and how fast things are happening, but then it's all relative. And the biggest thing for me that I, that that you don't realize how fast you're going is when you're trying to pull these cars up and trying to slow them down when you you've done you know such a fast rate of knots, and then you realize, well, I'm actually it's a long way to get to 60 mile an hour pit road speed, isn't it? From from 240 mile an hour like it's a, it's a it's a it's a big drop and trying to pull them up it's hard but um yeah but it's all relative like you get used to it you know, and when, that's probably the scary thing when you're out there with all the other drivers and you know you sort of don't really know how fast you're going until you have a crash unfortunately and, and it's just but that's the thrill of it and being right on it and you know, i love it i i i love i love oval racing I, i've loved it more than i thought but i've uh, but I loved it as much as I kind of thought that I would, but it's like, it's yeah, I f I'm feeling like I just, yeah, really enjoy it. Like the road and street circuits are another thing, but the, the 
fascination with the ovals and trying to make myself better with the minute discrepancies that we have is, is very cool. Let's get to one or two more here and then let you go for the evening. So our pal Andy Merrick was really loving your response after finishing your four laps of qualifying, firing over the radio, big woohoo. He was asking, what did it feel like? Was there anything interesting that went through you mind, your mind either before or after the run? Again, we're only talking qualifying, but we've got to believe there was a sense of fulfillment or achievement. Yeah, it was for sure. It was the achievement of basically, like I said, I knew that I'd sort of locked myself in and it was a clean run, which is, you know, very hard to do. And you're always on edge around here. And, um, and we made the car better, like I said. So, you know, as a driver, you know, knowing that you've made the right decision and where we've gone and, you know, it felt good. Um, you know, and, and we said to ourselves, this morning we said we have to use our first run to the best we can. We can't let this go. And you've just got to look at sort of how Willie P's ended up. And, and it's, you know, he wasn't that fast in his first run. And then your whole afternoon is rushed because you're waiting for others to finish. And, you, and you've got, you know, the, the track temp's going up, so the track's getting slower. It's just a predicament you don't want to find yourself in. So I knew straight away we were in, and, and uh, it was a big accomplishment just to do it. And like I said, it was a basically a notice from my mom and dad that you know everything went pretty good (laughs) look at that well let's close on the tougher topic but it doesn't have to be a negative one you're going to bed tonight smiling and happy waking up tomorrow and you know i don't want to say you can take it easy but the next time you're on track it's going to be towards the end of the day along with the other drivers locked in from 10th through 30th meanwhile you've got a good Good pal from down under as well, Toowoomba's Will Power, who's waking up tomorrow morning going, I never imagined I'd be here having to fight my way into the Indy 500. What do you do, Scott? And again, I know you're the rookie, but what what comes to mind? What's living inside your heart of, are you there, you know, giving them love and encouragement and bringing them, you know, Starbucks or whatever? Or are you kind of staying in the corner out of the way and letting him manage it? How do you try and help without being a hindrance? Yeah, look, I, I sort of try and stay away from it. It's one of those things where you really struggle to have words for, you know, someone who's achieved so much in the sport, like Will. He's won everything that he needs to win, but, look, it still hurts. And, um you know, I, I uh, yeah, didn't really know what to say to him this afternoon. Um, but you know, he's he knows what he needs to do. Like he's, you know, seasoned veteran in the sport. Um, it's just a matter of working with his engineer and trying to make something of his car. I'm, I have full confidence he'll be fine, as well as Simona. Um, but at the same time, it's Indy. You know, things happen, and we've seen before Hinch missing out, Hunter Ray a long time ago. You know, everyone. You know, it's it's it, it bites hard, especially when you're not right there and with the with the the speeds and how close everyone is in speed this, this year, especially it's um it's tough. So, but for me, I'll definitely sleep a lot better. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go and watch and support where I can, not try and get in his face too much, and just see what he's got tomorrow and and, and cheer him on as as best as I can. Mate, you've had the fall. Indy 500 experience and we're not even done yet. Uh, you've been all over. So I'm guessing since you got work tomorrow, you're going to be a responsible adult, but, um, 
any uh, adult beverages say, though, get cracked Marshall. open tomorrow? Uh, what's that, sorry? I yeah, said, do any uh, adult beverage get cracked open tomorrow? Yes, yes, for sure. I'm having a beer tomorrow night. I'll give you the tip. But I'm going to have, a, I'm gonna have a, a light beverage with my wife and just maybe go out for dinner and just celebrate what's been a pretty crazy week. But I'll tell you what, this has been one of the craziest days of my life. I think emotional-wise, you know, emotion-wise, you think, fire out, you know, got a really good run. That was awesome. And then your teammate goes out and he's bad. But then you're thinking at the same time, it's like, fire out, I could actually try and nearly get in the fast nine here if I put it all together. And then, then he's like, well, am I going to get a turn? I felt like an eight-year-old. I was like, come on, I want a turn. You know, like, give me a turn now. I want to have a go. But then basically got told by my dad, who's my engineer, basically, by my <laughs> Jonathan Duguid, that I couldn't go out again because we needed to prioritize a few other people and whatever. And I got that. But it was just it, one of those deals where it was just one of the most crazy up and down emotional days of my life. But man, I want more of it. I can't wait to qualify next year. But so dad, um, I want to go outside um, and play. Yeah, it's literally, that's how I felt. I felt like the, the biggest, the biggest child. There was, but, uh, you know, it's just how it is. You know, you can improve. I think we, you know, I think we had a, a, a you know, maybe a 10th or a 12th in, in our car. We, we definitely were going the right direction. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just how it is. Do good's the best. I love it. Sanity reigns. There's some other teams that would have let you go out, and I'm not saying you would have put it in the wall, but we saw some conditions at some point where uh, it certainly wasn't favorable. So, yeah, but again, mate, look, next year, Mission P1, how's that, right? Uh, that's it. There's only, only up from here, that's for sure, for our team right now. <laughs> so we just, uh, we'll, be, we'll be okay. Brother, thank you as always for taking some time. As I told you, our, my listeners love you to death. Uh, so anytime you come on and play with us, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So congratulations, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go get some car cleaning products and Whenever I see that truck, <laughs> she's going to be all spiffy for you. Don't worry. I've got the car cleaning products. Just bring yourself. <laughs> no dramas. Thanks as always, mate. Thanks again to our man, Scott McLaughlin, for taking some time here. Thanks as always to you and Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com for all of your support. And we're going to close the show, as I promised on Twitter with an attempt to explain what happened at the end of qualifying, where by qualifying speed, willpower should be in P30, the last of the guaranteed positions in the field, and Dalton Kellett should be on the outside looking in, coming back on Sunday to try and make the final row. Why did that end up the way it ended up? So the first thing I need to tell you is this, and I'm just laughing a little bit because it's, I don't know, apropos? Uh, How much time did I spend speaking with folks trying to figure this out? And were two or three conversations required uh, follow-up conversations, not just me reaching out, but also those at the series helping me uh, calling back again to add further clarity? I don't know. Half hour altogether, 45 minutes plus, took a little while. But once I understood it, it actually made sense. So let's run through the confusion so I can then explain the answer. Or explain the answer? Sure, I don't know. I'm not drunk, but I feel like it. So Dalton Kellett holding 30th position 
for what felt like most of the day. There were a lot of drivers that went out, tried to knock him out, tried to get into the field. They weren't necessarily aiming at Dalton, but many drivers that went out trying to get into the top 30, you're locked in place, guaranteed to be in the Indy 500 order. They all failed. Well, so we had an interesting situation where Dalton holding P30 with an average speed of 229.250 had our man Will Power go out late, uh, what, during happy hour and set a 229.238. So Dalton did a 0.250. Will did a 0.238. Will was just a tiny, tiny little fraction slower. Dalton then, having seen that there are more folks coming, that Power was intending to line up and make another run, Simona De Silvestro is looking to make another run. Small AJ Foyt racing team versus big Team Penske and with Simona the Pred Autosport entry affiliated with Penske. There was a feeling or belief that, hey, they're going to find something. And since Will was only off by the tiniest of amounts, happy hour is only going to get better. Things are going to cool down a little bit. Conditions are going to make the cars happier, faster, and better we're in jeopardy so there was a decision to send dalton back out so there were two options that indycar created for qualifying today the fast lane and the normal lane if you went through the normal lane to re-qualify get out when you get out you don't give up your speed so if you go out and try and beat it and don't doesn't matter you're still safe that original speed stays right there if you go into the fast lane you get to leapfrog everybody and go straight out even if there's 20 cars in the normal lane you go to the fast lane you go straight out only thing is you forfeit your speed well dalton did that Keep in mind, Dalton went out in happy hour towards the end, really uh, right at the end. Uh, Simona De Silvestro was sent out with, I think, 16 seconds left on the clock, right? I mean, she barely got out right as Dalton flashed through turn one on his slowdown lap. IndyCar race director Kyle Novak sent her out. She beat the gun they fire off at 550 to signal the end. She was able to go out and run. Well, behind her is Will Power. He didn't get a chance to go out. So when Dalton did go out and completed his run, having voided his speed of 229.250, he went slower, 228.323. Well, Will Power, just shortly before, had done a 229.238. Dalton did a 228, you know, effectively a mile an hour slower. The big uproar, the big confusion. What the heck? Why? How? How does Dalton get to hold P30 when he's slower and what Will did was faster? Well, a couple things here. So that's the conundrum. 
let's get to the explanation. And I realize not all of you will be satisfied with this, but it's what it is to use our friend Juan Montoya. So Will Power, when he went out and tried to get into the field, ended up missing out by that little tiny margin that I mentioned. The way the rules are written for this year's day one of Indy 500 qualifying, where the top 30 are guaranteed into the show, if you do not post a time, a speed, I should say, that is inside the top 30, you're invisible. That speed doesn't count. That speed isn't held on to as something to use to maybe bump you in or something similar. The whole thing today was to be in the top 30. So not only to end the day in the top 30 guaranteed spots, but don't be outside because if you're outside, you're not just outside on speed. You're being treated by IndyCar as having no speed, no involvement in the Indy 500 in terms of qualifying. So where this again, is a little bit weird from some things that we maybe are accustomed to in the past for those of us who are, you know, longtime Indy 500 followers, lovers, and whatnot. Although Will Power's speed was faster than what Dalton ended up doing on his second run, Will Power's speed didn't count since he didn't get into the top 30 with it. Simple as that. So where the confusion has come here is just kind of human nature. We look at Will's last speed, 229.2. We look at Dalton's final speed, 228.3, and go, well, Will should be P30. Uh, it's not the way the rules are working this year. Since Will wasn't was never in the top 30, he didn't have a guaranteed position to hold on to. So even though, again, this is the part that's a little weird or a lot weird. Since Dalton was P30, he's an OG. He's a locked in top 30 guy. He may have gone to the fast lane. He may have voluntarily erased his speed but he did not forfeit P30. Since he was in the top 30, he is protected, even though he happened to be in 30th place. So in this instance, for that four laps of qualifying he did just before the gun went off, he was in 30th position, locked into 30th position with a average speed of zero 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 point zero 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 until he finished that run he didn't have a speed but he had 30th position the only thing indycar was waiting for was for him to finish that run so they could replace the speed he gave away so knowing that he went out did those four laps according to indycar Zero speed recorded until the average was finished, but he still had that 30th place and he was protected. Whatever he came up with, which happened to be that 228.3, 
is the new number that they plugged in once the run was done. At that point, knowing that Will Power, according to IndyCar, had no speed, was not in the show, was invisible to them, the only thing that could have taken Dalton Kellett out of P30 was Simona De Silvestro, since she was the last driver to go out in qualifying. The gun fired when she, right after she pulled out. There was no chance for anyone else to go that was outside the top 30. None of those other drivers had a speed or even viewed by IndyCar as being in the show, despite timing and scoring showing those speeds, right? That's where all this confusion came from. Hey, you're still showing the speeds. Why shouldn't that move up and get them in? Well, again, it's just they showed you what he did, even if they didn't count it or consider it as anything being official. So since Simona was the only driver capable of knocking Dalton out, she went out, did her run, and did a, what, 228.1 average? So just a tiny bit slower than Dalton? Had she gone out and gone faster than Dalton's average, Simona De Silvestro would have knocked him out. Had she gone better than his 228.323, had she done a 228.324, Simone De Silvestro is going to bed tonight, locked into the top 30. Dalton Kellett's coming back on Sunday to try and get into the show. Will Power didn't knock him out. She didn't knock him out. Uh, Charlie Kimball didn't knock him out. R.C. Enerson didn't knock him out, etc., etc. So, <sighs> weird, strange, etc. But I kind of get it. As it was described to me another way, when Dalton went into the fast lane, he forfeited his speed, but still had P30 because he's locked in. You can't give up your position inside the top 30. Only thing you can do is give up your speed, which he did. When Will Power rolled in and Simona rolled in, they didn't have any speeds to forfeit. They were broke, effectively, and had to go put up a speed better than Dalton to have that currency to earn a spot in the top 30. Simona tried, wasn't able. Will didn't get a chance. He wasn't in the field. He didn't get a chance to make that run. Would he have beaten Dalton? Probably. Again, maybe by a little bit, but that 229.238 that he did disappeared the moment it did not get him in to the Fast 30. Unfortunately, a lot of confusion followed. So I hope that explanation makes some sense. I had to run it back across people and read it to myself and try and process it about five times. So I don't know if I was successful in delivering it one time, but the bottom line is Will Power wasn't in the race, unfortunately, when Dalton went out and went slower. And whatever speed Will did, it, we saw it on the screen and it confused us because it was faster than Dalton's, but they just left it there so we understand kind of who went fastest among the folks outside the top 30. But really, the way IndyCar treated it, it didn't exist. 
Therefore, Will Power is coming back Sunday morning to try and make the Indy 500, which is the most insane thing we could have never, ever predicted before practice started on Tuesday. But that is indeed the Indy 500 for you. And that is so 2021 IndyCar season where nothing we expect is happening. All right. Thank you. Uh, I hope that was worth your while, but I did my best. I even wrote a story about it and just filed it to racer.com. If you want to just read through it again, will they change this for next year? I have no idea. Uh, will they add another wrinkle that needs explaining and causes confusion? I don't know, but, uh, I'm genuinely going to go drink a beer. I'm Marshall Pruitt. This is my dumb little podcast. If you haven't before, check it out. MarshallPruittPodcast.com. And thanks to all you. Thanks to our partners. And we'll speak to you tomorrow.